Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free ebook, and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Tammy Robinson's emotional stories are heartwarming and heartbreaking in equal measure and will appeal to readers of Jojo Moyes and Nicholas Sparks. Initially indie published, she's recently signed with an international publishing house and is enjoying worldwide distribution. Hi there, I'm your host Jenny Wheeler and today Tammy talks about the personal tragedy she had to overcome to produce her nine uplifting books and tells how living through her characters helps her through tough times. But before we get to Tammy, just a reminder that the show notes for this binge reading episode can be found on the website thejoysofbingereading.com. That's where you'll find links to Tammy's books and social media, as well as information on how to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss future episodes. And if you enjoy what you hear, please leave a review so that others will find us too. But now, here's Tammy. Hello there, Tammy, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. This is great. It's fun to interview another Kiwi. Yes. Look, I've heard about your story uh, with the Kim Hill interview that you did on national radio last year, and it sounds as if you had a series of personal tragedies to overcome, enough to team to, to fail a team of oxen, in my opinion. Honestly, I'm amazed that you've risen so magnificently over the challenges you've had, and you've published all these books. Can you tell us if there was a catalyst that took you from that position of being fairly low to the point where you could reach out and start writing yeah yeah no for sure so I actually um I wrote my first book before it sort of all started to happen um my husband and I got married in 2007 and then about three years later or so we thought well it's time to start a family We'll we'll, we'll have a baby um so we we got pregnant and then uh we lost that baby um and then it just kept happening we had no problems getting pregnant but staying pregnant was a bit of an issue and my body never let them go naturally I I always had to have hospital intervention to um to assist in sort of yeah getting my body back to normal and and uh, they were quite hard like so I think it was the third one I um we saw that we actually saw the baby's heartbeat at about eight and a half nine weeks we we had a scan and we saw the heartbeat and we thought yes we've got it this time and then we went along for the 12 week scan and took my parents and and I'll never forget you know she put that on my tummy and then she said oh I need to get someone else and she left the room and straight away we knew something's wrong and she came back with the other person and they had a look and they said look we're really sorry but the baby passed away about nine and a half weeks um so you'll need to go again to hospital and and they do something called misoprostol where they give you a medication to sort of bring on labor um it hadn't worked for me in the past, but this time, a few hours later, it started working and I, I started losing the baby. Um, but this time I hemorrhaged. It wouldn't stop bleeding. 
and it was the middle of the night and the nurse couldn't get hold of a doctor and I was bleeding everywhere and she was getting quite worried. And so in the end, she sort of went over everyone's head and gave me the injection to stop the bleeding, which worked. And I still had to go and have surgery as well and clear out the uterus. And so I had all that. And then I kind of hit a bit of a low point. Um, it was a really sort of soul searching. I went looking for a bit of... Um, sort of something spiritual I'm not a religious person but that's when I started to look into a few things and um and and sort of seek something because I just couldn't understand why this kept happening to us uh so we lost that baby we went to stay at my husband's parents up in the Coromandel for a couple of days to get away for a bit came back and our house had been completely burgled and trashed they'd just like just demolished everything. Um, so again it was sort of like why does this keep happening and um, I'd, I'd I'd written a book, Charlie and Pearl. Well, I'd, I'd started it, so I carried on with that. And while I was writing, um, not long after that, two of our close friends got bowel cancer, diagnosed with bowel cancer. Um, my husband's friend died within about six months. And then Catherine, who had been a huge support for me through all the miscarriages and everything, uh, she was fighting it. She fought it for a long time. Um, I know we're not supposed to say fighting because it's not a battle, but, you know, she, she was doing her best to come through this. And... Uh, and I got pregnant again after about a year. I got pregnant and this one stuck. <laughs> and just after my daughter Holly was born, Catherine passed away, yeah. leaving her um, eight-year-old daughter behind. And, yeah, and so that was pretty devastating. And in the meantime, like I had finished my first book, Charlie and Pearl, and I had sent it off to uh, there was, I think, two or three New Zealand publishers at the time. So I sent it off back in those days. It was like snail mail submissions. So you, you printed off your first three chapters in a letter and you you put a self-addressed envelope, stamped envelope in as well and sent them off. And, and then it got rejected. So it had just been sitting in a drawer. And, I, and then I got busy with Holly. And then um, in April 2013, my mother passed away and she was only 58 and Holly was only five months old. Um, and she, I was texting her, she was at home and then we sort of finished texting about, well, about 20, 20 minutes after my text, my sister got home and found my mum collapsed and her heart had, well, the final coroner's report, their best guess is that she had like a fatal arrhythmia, like her heart just simply stopped. There was no trauma, but, um, they, they think she just, it's skipped and stopped and so we lost her and that was pretty much the end of my world at that point, but I had a baby, so I had to keep going. And uh, it made me, you know, cliches are right. It made me realise none of us know how long we've got. We can go at any point in time. Um, you know, the the abruptness of having you here one minute, larger than life, and texting me, and then being completely gone the next, completely gone, and no chance of a goodbye or to tell her all the things that you always think you'll have time to say. Um, yeah, that was just, it sort of spurred me on to think, well, because she had always been the biggest believer in my writing and I thought, I'm going to do this for her. And so I, yeah, so that's when I got Charlie and Pearl out of the drawer and dusted it off and my husband made a cover and I got some close friends to edit it for me. And then I uploaded it onto Kindle and self-published my first book. And then it went from there. And then I wrote another one very quickly afterwards uh, that was kind of therapy for me. I got a lot of the emotions from losing mum out into that book, When the Stars Collide. And, uh, yeah, so then I started and I didn't stop. I just did about six books over the next uh, four years or so and kept going. So you've now published nine books that have been compared to 
are publishing household names like Jojo Moyes and Nicholas Sparks, which must be pretty um, pretty pleasing. And perhaps with the background that you've explained to us, it's not surprising that they're books that take readers on an emotional journey. They're, they've got a romance underlying them, but they're strongly laced with loss and tra- tragedy. And I was mm. struck by an, a review that I read online from a male reader of yours who said, mm. heartbreaking and heartwarming in equal measure. Um, so, it, but but it, oh, then he went on to say, as long as you don't mind getting kicked in the gut, shedding a few tears and having your heart squeezed at the pain the characters go through, you'll love this book. <laughs> Yes, I know. I thought it was great that a male reader had said that. So, uh, tell us about what how your readers do respond to these. They are quite they're quite grueling because you set up some really hard situations for your characters, don't you? I do, I do. Yes, quite unintentionally sometimes, <laughs> but it always seems to work out that way. Um, yeah, so they're not traditional romance in that there's not always a happy ever after. So as far as I understand, to, to classify it as, as um, a romance genre, there's a happy ever after, an ending, a happy ending. Yes. Um, and my books don't always have that. So um, I think because of, of what I was going through with the babies and Catherine and my mum and all that, um, I, ha- I was in this headspace of life isn't fair. Um, you know, it doesn't always work out. Yes. <laughs> that came through in my writing quite a lot. So I was very sort of, um, realistic with the storylines because sometimes people get sick and they do die and and yeah and and so yeah that it came it's definitely what I, I put in all my writing is that um that realism I've I've tried to 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 give some happy happy parts as well as as as, as I've um, gone on and, and I do like there's a lot of, of, of there's a lot of love and happiness and uh things like that humor in my books as well but yes there is always usually an underlying um sort of darkness or some kind of thing that the character has to go through, yeah. But there is also an uplift to it, isn't there? Definitely. I always, yes, I will try and always have an uplift somewhere, Um, some hope, you know, so at the end of Differently Normal there's that hope there, like, um, I don't want to give us spoilers, obviously, no, but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but no, the char- uh, the readers, I've had some amazing, like that that one that you're talking about, that's from a man named Mark, Um and he's in um, America and he he's lovely. Yeah, he reached out after Charlie and Pearl. He loved Charlie and Pearl. We're still in touch now. We're Facebook friends and Instagram friends and message occasionally. He writes as well. So, yeah, no, I've met some wonderful people through it. I've had um, reviews from Spain and all over the world. Yeah. That's fantastic. They're fantastic. And while you were doing these books, you also were making some huge changes in your life in the sense that you went on to have three children now and your yeah. husband relocated in his job and you had big, big changes there. Um, I wondered if the writing actually helped to keep you um, sane and to help you through the tough stuff almost, not keep you sane, but help you through the tough stuff. Yeah, no, you are right. It does keep me sane. <laughs> <laughs> writing is, is definitely, it's my happy place. Yeah. It is. If I can't write for too long, I, I can get sort of a bit... Um, grumpy and a little bit I'm not the best person that I can be or the best mum that I can be I, I miss writing if I can't write it's it's my happy place and and because I always have the stories in my head and the characters in my head I I need that time to to sit down and 
play with them and get it out and do those sorts of things. And yeah, we we moved. Um, it all happened very quickly. My husband had been doing an office job for seventeen years. And he'd always been interested in farming, but it was taking that leap. And then we found out his job was um, potentially going to be outsourced to the Philippines. And so this job came up in Otrahonga, a little, little town in the Waikato. Um, it's about an hour and a half from where we were in a big city. And, yeah, so he went for it. We got it. We sold our house and we moved here all within about three or four weeks. It, it was very quick. Um, but it's been it's been good. It's been good. We're, two years we've been here now and uh, settling in. And, the, and my oldest, Holly, is now at school. She's just out of school. So it was um, it was the right time to do it. Yes. But it was yeah. we were pushed into it rather than <laughs> – which. but probably that was what my husband needed. <laughs> He's and it's a dairy farm, is it? Or, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's on a yeah. He works on a dairy farm for some some wonderful people down the road. So he goes off on his bike in the mornings, and kids wave, and then <laughs> yeah, come back at night. So have you did you did you grow up on a farm yourself, or were you a city girl? Yeah, no, I grew up in Rotorua, a city. Yeah, so um, or not. It's not a huge city. I'd say more of a town because mm. I don't really do cities either. Yeah, um, cities yeah. drive me a yeah. bit nuts. Yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, no, I wasn't country. <laughs> All of your books are set in New Zealand, but you keep the details vague. So I'm not sure if your readers even necessarily know they are in New Zealand. And you, you, I was interested that you also mentioned that you deliberately never specify ages or some details of appearance, that kind of thing, because you like your readers to be able to fill in the picture in their own minds. Is, is, that, is that how it goes? Yes, absolutely. Yes. No, with all the um, the first six books that I self-published. Yeah. Uh, yes, I never I never specified a location, um, ra- other than you know it might be a beach settlement or something like that, but no place names or no country names. Um, and and again, yeah, with the characters, I never mentioned ages, and I didn't I didn't um, I would be very very vague about uh, appearance. You know, I might mention like an eye color or a hair colour maybe or something, but no, I would never be specific. And I don't know if I did it on purpose from the start, but then it, it's just the way it went through all my books. And and, and it, I think it did help with, um, you know, because people can pick it up in any country and it's about a beach and they're picturing a beach in their head from from their local place. Or um, And because we all do picture characters differently in our heads when we're reading mm, books. Mm. And so I think if, if I'm vague about the descriptions, then, yeah, people quite happily just do their own little picturings. And it's quite interesting, you know, people compare them to celebrities or something and I sort of think, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, <laughs> it could be. Make a work, yeah, but um, yeah, no, I don't. I have been like that, but then when I got the publisher, they wanted me to give the characters ages and um, and more of a description. So I've I've started to do that now. Yes, <laughs> so, yeah. But I had women, you know, I had women in their in their early in their teens and twenties and thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, all reading and men all reading and loving the books. And I think the fact that there was no ages sort of mentioned, they were kind of timeless in that regard. They were they they yeah mm. anybody. Sort of yes, yes. Now you've mentioned about the publisher and one of the reasons that you've sort of really popped up is because there's been a lot of very positive publicity for you because you've been taken up by an international publisher and you're now having your books published in a lot of different countries, I think. So I think that was a two book deal and those two books that you've done have now been published. The most recent one is Photos of You, which we'll get onto in a moment. But how did you get noticed in this way and where will you be published? Right, yeah. So I think it was uh, 2016 or maybe the end of 2015, I 
I kind of got that fire in me again to see if I could uh, go a little bit further. I was happy self-publishing. I wasn't making a great deal of money or anything like that from it. I was. It was more about the reviews. But I've had that dream in my head, obviously, since I was a little girl of seeing my books in the shops. And so um, I thought, well, I'll just – I didn't it, – it's so hard for New Zealand to approach agents and things like that overseas. Um, mm. I think we're at a huge sort of disadvantage mm. being that's so far away mm. from it all. Mm. But there was an agent called Vicky Marsden who I'd heard about, uh, both Greg Fowler, who's an author in Wellington, and Michelle Vernal, who's in Christchurch, uh, South Island. They both had this agent and she worked for a company that was dual New Zealand and US. So I approached her with a book that I had just finished at the time called um, The Insignificance of You. And she read she read that and she requested Charlie and Pearl and Lessons from Darks and she read those and she liked them. She liked my writing. She liked the books. Uh, she wasn't taking on anybody at that point because she was off to the UK for their uh, their summer so she was sitting over there for about four months or so um, for work as well so to approach publishers and things so she kept me in mind but she didn't sign me um, and she went over there and in the meantime she said you know keep keep writing with your next one which was differently normal keep working on that and yeah so I did I wrote differently normal and then uh, I sent that off to her I think it was about April or something um, when I finished it and not long after that she she said she had some interest. We, well, she signed me. She loved that book, so she decided to sign me officially, and I got onto her books. And then not long after that, she she approached the right publisher, which was Emma at Piatkist, which is um, an imprint of Little Brown in the UK. So, yeah, they, they loved it. And then we had a very, very nervous period of time where it was um, – it's going to acquisitions meetings, uh, you know. We, yeah, you're just so it was just waiting, and there's a lot of waiting and positive feedback, but still, it's got to get across the line. And you know, you try not to get your hopes up, but you're also hopeful. And then I think it was well, one morning I, I woke up to a text from Vicky at six a.m. saying, "Check your email," and I I opened my email, and yeah, I had a two book offer it's fantastic so, <laughs> yeah yeah so, yeah so that was good and then I've gone on to sell in um Slovakia and Czech and Poland and it's coming out in Germany this in December and also in the UK obviously in Australia and New Zealand and then also photos of you's been picked up by a huge US publisher so it's coming out February next year in the US which is uh, quite an improvement, very hard to get into the US market. So. That is wonderful. So let's talk a little bit about Photos of You. It's the story of a young woman who was diagnosed with a terminal illness and whose, whose main bucket list sort of item is that she'd like to have a wedding instead of a funeral. And, and right at the start of the book, she's planning this wedding without even having any groom in mind which uh, you know for a start is su such a poignant idea sort of half funny mm. and ha half sad um mm. you managed to lace a dark story with humor so tell us where did that the idea for that story come from yeah so for photos of you um because they wanted to sign me for a two book contract and at that point I had differently normal um I had to come up with a second idea pretty quickly and my agent actually sent me a link to an online story um, and it was mostly just photos and it was this beautiful young Japanese woman who was uh, terminally ill and she just wanted to have the big fashion shoot. So it was it was all her. She had her hair and makeup done and she was wearing all these beautiful dresses and it was just this big photo shoot and she sent me that and I thought, and that just got me thinking and, yeah, and then I thought, you know, rather than just the shoot, the whole the whole wedding idea, you know, what if that's what you've dreamt of your whole life, this big wedding day and stuff. And then, 
and then yeah something like that would happen so it came from there I wrote I think three or four paragraphs of a blurb idea and they 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 took it and then and then of course I had to turn into a book which I did so yeah (laughs) that probably brings us to a little bit of an aside and that is that you your writing style is to more or less just start with an idea and go for it isn't it yes yeah and a character or a scene um, yeah, or a very small sort of seed of an idea. Yeah, I think Charlie and Pearl was part of a dream. I remember having a dream, and I couldn't remember the whole dream, but I remember there was a woman that had fallen asleep in a bookshop and a guy had found her, and, and for him it was kind of love at first sight. So Charlie and Pearl came from that, and, um, yeah, the rest of them all come from just a little something that I see or hear or think of. Yeah, and so Differently Normal, which I think is the most recently published one, isn't it? Did uh, that was before oh, photos that was of before you. photos of you. Oh, sorry, yes. So photos of you is the most recent, but differently normal. You have Maddie, a full time carer for her autistic sister B, and she's very committed to her sister and to supporting her family. She has no time or thoughts of falling in love, but of course, life intervenes. And I understand that one was partly sparked off by another friendship that you developed with one of your readers. Yeah, yeah. Well, so with the with differently normal, I had Maddie first. Uh, she she came that ca- that character was in my head of this sort of yeah really strong, um, hugely caring. She 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 was going to be a carer. Uh, I'd seen something about young carers, uh, which I didn't know a lot about before that, and and it's heartbreaking the amount of people that care for someone that don't have a lot of yeah. So I, I had this character, Maddie, in my head and I needed um, – so she had a sister and I've got a friend in the UK, Lorraine and Kevin Tippany, and Lorraine actually contacted me when Charlie and Pearl came out when she read that. And, yeah, she loved Charlie and Pearl and she had spent some time in New Zealand as a youngster so she knew the, the sort of Kiwi parts of the book and she was quite – yeah. And now um, – so that's what I think it was. I think it's five or six years now. We message still morning and night. Um, yeah, she's become like a sort of a surrogate aunt for me. Not not mum, but an aunt. She, yes, yes. She's, older. she's been there for me through, you know, like my low labours and pregnancies and, and, and when mum died and all that sort of thing. And uh, she, yeah, so her daughter Rachel has just turned 30 and she is autistic and she has cerebral palsy and epilepsy and it's just incredible. Lorraine and Kevin, they're uh, approaching their 60s. Um, Rachel is completely dependent on them. They have all these worries about what's going to happen to her, you know, when they eventually go and, and all that sort of stuff. She can't do anything for herself. Um, it's incredible. They're so, so selfless. Like, you know, they've just given their lives to – she's their daughter, but, you know, yes. not, not all parents do yeah. that still. Yeah. They, yeah. yeah, everything revolves around her. And, um, yeah, so I asked them, I asked if it would be okay if I based the character of B on Rachel, and they said yes, they were really happy to do that. So that's what happened, yeah. And I guess you sent her an advanced copy of the book, did you? She reads all my books as I write them, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's still my number one sort of better, better reader, yeah. No, as I write, I send her chapters and she reads it and, yeah, she gives me feedback. She's very brutally honest yeah <laughs> if doesn't like something she'll say so and occasionally we'll fall out and then I'll get over it and yeah <laughs> but no she's been a wonderful friend and yeah so you, yeah. you can be sure that the parts of the book that apply to that situation are pretty true to life can't you yeah, yeah. Much so yeah so I would have a scene in my head or something and then I so I would say to her okay we're going to put 
be or Rachel into this situation, what would she say? How would she react? And she would she would tell me, and then I would yeah. write this thing yeah. from that. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, it's all um, again, they're all different, you know. Um, but this was yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. So getting an international publisher has that changed your writing life much? And and what does it mean for you long term? Do you think? Uh, yeah. So it has changed my writing um, quite a bit. I haven't. Um, before I would just have an idea and I would write the whole the whole story, the whole book, and then I would either self-publish it or send it to Vicky or something like that. Whereas uh, now you kind of they want they want to know they're going to love the whole do- the whole idea and the whole story before you write it. Yes, well, I've had a year of coming up with ideas and coming up with sample chapters, and they love them or they want some changes made, and I do that. And then it's, but it's all about getting it across the line and getting it through the acquisitions again. And um, it's it's hugely frustrating for me because I'm just used to writing, having it, writing it, and and to not be able to do that is a little bit, um, yeah, hard. <laughs> it's hard. But um, hopefully we're close now to the the um, ideas, so uh, to getting it across, and then I'll be able to just actually write the books, which is what yeah. I need. I need to do. Yeah, you so. might end up being a hybrid author doing both. I mean, once you've got a bit of experience under your belt belt with them you might still be able to use some of those ideas and go back to I know a lot of writers find that's a very good way to go to have both things happening if they can yeah Yeah. and it's amazing uh, some of the ones that do you know the big name ones um yeah in an amazing group on Facebook and some of these huge authors I've read all my life and looked up to and and some a lot of them are hybrid Mm. or um and they have the same struggles and things like that so it's it's quite yeah yeah Yeah, that's right yes Mm -hmm. moving away from perhaps discussing the specific books to your wider career before you settled on your New Zealand farm you spent quite a few years working overseas and what sound like dream jobs to outsiders like cruise ships and in the wit Sundays and things. Yeah. Tell us a bit about those years and how have they influenced you as a writer? Are there things from those years that appear in your books? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. Um, well, yeah, when I was 17 or 18, when I was in my final year of high school, I actually got um, sick as well. I got depression and bulimia. Um, and then I, I had that ongoing for about the next 12 years. So a lot of those times when I was overseas and doing all those dream jobs and things, I was actually quite sort of mentally ill as well. Um, so I, it was, oh, there's a lot of stories, a lot of stories. Um, Sounds yeah, like you were fairly high performing you know vulnerable person if you could describe it that way yeah yeah yes and no yes and no yeah at times I was um but there was always a potential there was a lot of self-harming that was hid yeah uh, from Boston yes. and things like that yeah. um I, and I overdosed on my second cruise ship I overdosed I was medically disembarked after an overdose on there um and uh, yeah so no but I I had always been fascinated with large ships and shipwrecks so uh yeah so then um a job came up with Princess Cruises. I went and had an interview in Auckland and I got a phone call two weeks later saying, you're off to Mexico, you're off to Acapulco, get on a plane. <laughs> and I was 20, I think, 2021, 20, very young. Like I look back now and I don't know how my mother ever let me get on a plane to Mexico at that age and the way I was. But she did because she knew it was something that I'd always wanted to do. So, yeah, no, I did. I joined the ships and we did Caribbean and um, Alaska and the Mediterranean and all those sorts of places, and then it was wonderful. Um, and then I was back in New Zealand 
because my grandmother was ill and due to go back on a cruise ship when I read an article about Club Med. And so I applied for that and got the job over in, in Lindemann Island on the wet Sundays. And so, uh, yeah, so I went over there for about um, three or four years. Normally what happens is you go to Club Med as a GO and you spend six months in one place and then you get transferred to other resorts around the world. Mm. Um but because I joined as a receptionist, but then I was quickly promoted to an HR assistant and then HR manager, uh, and they localised all the HR manager jobs. So I got stuck on the island, basically. I wasn't going to be able to transfer anywhere else. And after about three and a half years on this island where there's nothing else but the resort, um, yeah, I got a bit of cabin fever. So I ended <laughs> up leaving there and coming back home. And then, yeah, I was due to go back on another cruise ship and I met my husband and I was sort of nearly 30 and thought, I'll see what happens. I'll stay and see what happens. And he proposed after about two months and we bought a house after four. And, yeah, we're still together 12, uh, 14 years later. Fantastic. So. <laughs> That's a lovely story. Look, turning to Tammy as reader, you know, this is called The Joys of Binge Reading and it's partly predicated around the idea that people like to discover one author in these days and then read everything in their backlist. Um are you a keen reader? Have you been a keen reader in the past? And if so, who do you like to read? Yeah, I've yeah, no, I've been a reader all my life, <laughs> all my life. Um, since I was a little girl, I was always the the girl with her head buried in a book. So anywhere, any family occasions or anything like that, I got told off in class, get your nose out of the book. And yeah, if I was walking, <laughs> I had my nose in a book. So no, always <laughs> reading. And it's quite neat because Holly, my daughter, is 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 the same now. We'd just been to a funeral and, and at the wake she got my husband to go to the car and get her book out so she could sit at a table and read her book. And I was looking at her thinking, oh, it's yeah. <laughs> no, you can um, see yourself. I, I could, I could. It was really quite neat. And she loves to write as well, so I'm like, oh. But um, right, uh, I've, I'm, I'm, an, I'm an avid reader of, of a lot of authors. I, I, let me think. Like when I go into a shop, I'm not always looking for a particular author, things like that. I do get drawn to covers, but it's mostly just, you know, I, I go for things that are a bit quirky or character driven. Um, one author that I've always loved is Terry Pratchett since I was a teenager. Yes. Um, and quite conveniently, his books always came out in November, which is my birthday month. So I always knew I was going to get his new book for my birthday. <laughs> I've still got all his books. Oh, well, I've got boxes of books out in the garage since the move. And yes. um, my favourites. I've only got one big shelf inside, which is my favourites. And the rest have to unfortunately go in containers. But um, no, like at the moment, I'm currently reading uh, The First Time I Saw You, which is by Emma Cooper. And that's an amazing one that's coming out soon. And I've got David Nichols. I love David Nichols. His new one's coming out soon. I've got that. So, I yeah, no. And I just finished The Flat Share by Beth O'Leary. But, yes, no, always reading <laughs> and always love discovering new authors. Yes. And You've probably got to the point now where you're asked to write, um, you know, cover lines for other authors, are you? Have you? Yeah, my first yeah, my first time for Emma's new book, the first time I saw you. So that's quite exciting. It's a lot of pressure, but it's very exciting. <laughs> you got to get it just right because it's going to be right there on the cover. <laughs> that's lovely. Yeah. Um, look, is there one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other that you would credit with your success? I would just say never giving up. Yeah. You know, like yeah. not letting. I know there are authors that have. You know, they're so dead set on the traditional route that they can't sort of entertain any other kind of thing. Whereas 
you know, once I had a Kindle and after mum and I thought, no, no, I'm going to do, I can do this myself. I can. And I did. And, and that was, yeah. So I just, um, I didn't let it stop me. The fact that I couldn't get that traditional deal. Um, and, and even if I had never still, if I still didn't have that traditional deal, I would still be tuning out books and self-publishing for, for the rest of my life because it's just what I love doing. I love to write and I have to write and that's just the way it is really. So yeah. it's just, um, yeah, it's not, it's not giving up and it's not letting, you know, life's external kind of all these things take that joy away from me as well. I sort of channel it instead. How do you find the time to write with the, with the family life? Do you? Yeah, yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> <laughs> the more kids I've had now, the harder it's, the harder it is. But um, yeah, at the moment in Rotorua, I could write every weekend when my husband was off, and now that he's farming, he only gets sort of one weekend a fortnight. And when it's carving, he doesn't get any weekends off. So no, it's snatched moments really at, at the moment. Holly's at school. Willow's going to start school next month in July. Leo, he'll be three in August, so potentially he'll be looking at kindy next year. And then I'm, I'm, I might actually get some days to do it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. I won't know myself because I've never had, yeah, days where I can just sit down and write. It's always had to be like, okay, you've got an hour, go. Yes. But um, yes. bonus of that is because I've had so much time with it in my head, usually I can, if I get a couple of hours, I can sit down and sort of bang out two, three, four thousand words because it's there. Yes. So, yes. Um, yeah. yeah. But at the moment it's hard, but I know that it's just a temporary thing and as time goes on, it's going to get easier. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what are you working on at the moment? What are the projects for, say, the next 12 months? Yeah. So I've got two on the go, which is um, the first one's called uh, back to you and <laughs> again it's got that that sort of hardship element but it's uplifting it's very uplifting it's about a young woman who um, she's a teacher she's got this great life in the city uh, she meets this wonderful man Finn on New Year's Eve on uh, New Year's Eve and they have this this incredible night in the city walking around the cities and the parks and getting to know each other and then they have a few weeks together as well um, but then he's off overseas for five or six months for a fundraising hike to raise funds for a cancer hospice because he lost his sister years and years and years ago when she was little to cancer. So they have a few, they have sort of three weeks, three or four weeks together and then he's heading off, but they, they decide, you know, they're going to keep in touch. They're going to Skype and they're going to email and keep in touch and, and um, all that sort of stuff and pick up when he gets back. But while he's away, she has an accident and it's a life changing accident and she's forced to go back to her parents house um at a coastal settlement sort of four hours away um she is struggling she struggles to accept that everything's changed um that she's lost that life that she had so she can't actually bring herself to tell Finn so she does sort of maintain a pretense through emails and things for a few months until he's due to come back and then she completely cuts off all contact with him so it's it's all about her um learning that just because her life is different it's not over um she has to get but she has to get to that place herself there's going to be a there's this wonderful character she's um in her 80s a woman who swims in the sea every day come rain or shine or winter or summer and uh they're going to meet and this older woman is going to help sort of zoe learn to live again yes. and so it's about, yeah and so in the meantime finn's back and he's sort of been trying to find her but he can't and it'll be about her she needs to get 
yeah, she needs to get better first before she can find her way back to him. Mm. So that's the first one. And then the second one is something completely different I've never done, which is a Christmas book. So, um, yeah, it's it's a really quirky sort of characters, wonderful characters, a young widower and Noel and, and a woman, Harriet, who works for a council. And, um, yeah, so it's good, but it's going to be set in like a, uh, a European winter so it's going to be the snow the whole snowy thing because you know when we're here that's what we always dream of yes. and think about <laughs> yeah that's yeah right. so I, I want to write about a winter it's a wintry Christmas so that'll will that be Christmas 2021 I suppose they will publish it at Christmas time won't they I'd say so I'd say so. yeah yeah when when books come out make plays a huge um a huge role in their success I found that very for the last two books, yeah, yeah, when they need to bring them out at the right right time of the year for them to to really get the best. Oh, chance. that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely normal. They bought out at the end of January in New Zealand, and so it was kind of right at the end of summer holidays, right at the end of Christmas. Nobody's got any money, <laughs> and you know, all the kids are going yeah. back to school, so you've got yes, feast yeah. stationery. Yeah, and then photos of you they bought out at the start of December, so right at the start of the holidays, and you had the beach read, all the people going on holiday that wanted a beach read, and all the Christmas presents and all that, and it just yeah, the difference between how they sold, yeah, is just, yeah, 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 quite London yeah. really. Oh, that's amazing. Mm. That's terrific. So it's obvious that you do enjoy interacting with your readers because we've already heard of two very close relationships that you've developed through your books. Um, do you interact with them online and, and how how can they find you? Where can they find you? Yeah, no, absolutely. I get a lot of messages through uh, Facebook and Instagram. So on, on Facebook, I'm under Tammy Robinson Author and I love getting posts and messages. <laughs> and on Instagram, again, I'm Tammy Robinson Author. Um, it's quite it's quite neat. I'm, I'm getting a lot of uh, messages and tags from Polish uh, people through Instagram. Yeah, it's really neat. Um, and you know with my book they're taking photos all these amazing photos with my book and all these yeah incredibly sort of staged things but um so I do get a lot of messages through Instagram and Facebook uh, I am on Twitter Tammy Robertson 76 but I don't really interact on there a lot because I, I don't understand Twitter it scares me to be honest <laughs> get a lot of scary things um but yeah so the main ones would be Facebook and Instagram both of them Tammy yeah. Robertson author so. somebody described Twitter to me I'm a bit like you I don't feel I understand Twitter somebody described it to me as just treat it like a virtual cocktail party well maybe that's why I don't quite know how to do it because I don't I've hardly ever been to a cocktail party in my life (laughs) (laughs) anyway Tammy look wonderful to talk thank you so much for your time and all the very best with your new project thank you so much for having me (laughs) my pleasure dear thanks for listening to the joys of binge reading podcast you can find all the details and links for this episode at www.thejoysofbingereading.com. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions for who you'd like us to interview next. And if you enjoyed the show, take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or a similar provider so you won't miss out on future guests. Thanks for joining us and happy reading. The Joys of Binge Reading podcast is put together with fantastic technical help from Dan Cotton and Abe Raffles. Dan is an experienced sound and video engineer who's ready and available to help you with your next project. Seek him out at dcaudioservices at gmail.com. That's D for Daniel, C for Charlie, audioservices at gmail.com or check our show notes. He's fast, 
He takes pride in getting it right and he's great to work with. Our voiceovers are done by Abe Raffles, another gem of sound and screen. Abe has 20 years of experience on both sides of the camera slash microphone. As a cameraman director and also as a voice artist and TV presenter. I think you'd agree that his voice is both light-hearted and warm. He is super easy to work with no matter what the job. You'll find him at Abe, A-B-E, at pointandshoot.co.nz. As I say, the full details in the show notes on the website. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. Hopefully see you next week. Bye.